Hey, family. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We work incredibly hard to identify guests who will help you move forward on your healing journey. So if you are blessed by today's episode, I would love for you to take a moment to subscribe and leave a five-star review. This will help us to reach more people and get this important message of healing out to the world. Thank you in advance for your support and enjoy today's episode. family. It's your sister here, Jocelyn, and welcome to another episode of Faith on the Journey. If this is your first time tuning in, we welcome you. We are so glad that you're here, and we want you to know that we are here to help you to strengthen your faith, heal your heart, and discover a sense of community, to know that you're not alone on your healing journey. And we also specialize in Christian counseling. We have a team of counselors who know how to use God's word to help you on your healing journey. And we also focus on grief counseling as well. And we're actually talking about grief today in this episode. It's a a type of grief that is experienced by women, and it also affects men as well who are with women who have experienced a miscarriage. And so uh, I am excited to welcome to the show today an amazing woman of God, Dr. Tiffany Edwards, who has done a a lot of work in this field around supporting individuals who've experienced this type of loss. She is a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in health psychology. And in her career, she has worked with patients to address a wide variety of issues related to anxiety, depression, cancer, survivorship, and other women's health issues. She also works with Fertility Centers of Illinois, where she counsels and supports patients and facilitates patient education initiatives around infertility. So we're so excited to welcome her to the show. Welcome, Dr. Tiffany Edwards. Hi, thank you, Jocelyn. It's a pleasure to uh, be able to speak with you as well as your audience this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you for accepting our invitation. Thank you for the invitation. (laughs) Yeah. As you know, this is such an important topic. And before we dive into it today, I would love for you to share just a little bit about your story. Um, My story, I was born and raised in the Midwest. Uh, I was told as a young child, even, that I was a natural encourager, that I was very inquisitive. So I think all of those traits and qualities really led me to go into the field uh, that I've gone into. It's something that I really enjoy being able to help and support others kind of as they go through different trials and tribulations in life. Uh, So that's my story. That's great. And I'm glad that you uh, decided to work in this field because it's it's very important. We need compassionate doctors who work in in this space. And so tell me about the work that you have done to support women who've experienced miscarriages. So I guess my journey into this particular field started because I used to do cancer disparities research. So that's where I was looking at the disparate rates of cancer in sort of ethnic minority populations. And I was really working very closely with women of color who were struggling with breast cancer and other various forms. Um, And Within that work, that kind of led me to work with cancer survivors. And 
in talking about their journey of being a survivor, many of them would talk about what their future looked like. And that includes, you know, meeting a partner, starting a family. And so those conversations really got me more interested in the field of sort of infertility, as well as dealing with issues of, of um, loss, if you will. Um, and so that's what got me into the field, if you will. My experience of working with patients that have experienced pregnancy loss and miscarriage um, is one of a supportive role, if you will, meaning that I work with patients that have experienced their first loss or uh, multiple losses. And I essentially just work with them to serve as a supportive ear, you know, to um, try to assist in their ability to process grief and process that loss. We also strategize ways to communicate with their partner more effectively, to communicate with family and friends. If they've got other children, to communicate that loss to their children, if you will. I, I also work with patients that um, might be dealing with some other types of emotions like fear and uncertainty and sort of anxiety with uh, moving forward if they want to attempt pregnancy once again. So I kind of cover a lot of issues that come with the experience uh, of pregnancy loss. Yeah, it sounds like there are a number of issues that come with it. And when it when we, we deal with this issue, one thing that I've heard from others is it, it could feel like a very lonely experience. And it almost feels like sometimes people don't understand. And so I would love for you to speak to actually how common this is. Like if you could share some statistics on the fact that this this does take place on a wide scale. Yeah, so there are varying um, rates and sort of stats that are being put out, but more commonly it's thought that anywhere in between 10 to 20% of known pregnancies can result in miscarriage. And when I say known, that's because that number might be even greater because many women may not even realize that they're pregnant prior to actually experiencing that loss, or just may not even know that they've experienced a pregnancy loss. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when uh, a person experiences that type of loss. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that there's a grief associated with that. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to the grief that someone will feel when they experience that type of loss? Um, and if there's any difference between a, a different type of grief that someone might experience? Sure. You know, so women will experience that grief very differently. One of the things that a lot of patients talk to me really about, and I think it's good to kind of to, to kind of maybe understand and sort of appreciate this if you aren't the one that experienced the pregnancy loss. So when you first learn that you're pregnant, of course, there's this kind of uh, initial reaction of, you know, shock and excitement and joy, if you will. And I think your mind kind of, it um, instantaneously starts to plan for the future, plan for what this pregnancy means starts to create plans for your family and that child, if you will. So when you experience that loss, not only are you experiencing the loss of a child, the loss of a pregnancy and that experience, but you're also experiencing the loss possibility of what could have been, what, what might have been. Um, and so I think there's multiple levels of sort of what you might be feeling grief and sort of loss for. 
And I think that at times can be hard for others to fully appreciate because there's no tangible person or child or thing, if you will, that you're grieving. So I think the understanding and the, the um, empathy from others might be different than, let's say, if it was uh, the loss of an actual person that you and others knew in common. You've got that kind of established bond and the relationship and the memories that are associated that you all share with that person. But when you've lost a pregnancy, there are times where it's really only your loss. Maybe it's you as well as your partner's loss, but others may feel it at a um, different levels. So I think there's that feeling of sort of loss there. There's also other emotions that come with it. You know, there are some women that tell me that not only are they grieving the loss, but they have a sense of shame or embarrassment or, or, or guilt. So I think there's a, a host of other emotions that come along with the grief and sort of loss that one might be feeling. Yeah. And I also know you mentioned this earlier that sometimes uh, a woman can have multiple miscarriages. Now, mm -hmm. can you talk about how that might even amplify that experience of grief? Yeah. So I think there are a lot of feelings that come with that. One of those being fear, you know, just the fear and the anxiety that it may continue to occur. You know, that I experienced one miscarriage. Now I'm, I'm very anxious and more nervous than I was even the first time with maybe attempting this for a second time. It's not very common, but there are some women that will um, speak with me and tell me that they wonder if this was because of something they've done or, or they struggle with, maybe they weren't meant to be a parent if they've experienced multiple pregnancy losses. And, and so I think they start to do this kind of internal questioning of maybe this is a sign or maybe I'm not supposed to move forward. And so I think that can be even more devastating because not only then are you grieving the loss, but now you're sort of questioning these um, feelings and sort of other topics that may stall you um, and stall your ability and not only your ability, but your want to move forward and to attempt that pregnancy once again. So in addition to the grief, you're now maybe also dealing with fear and anxiety. And what isn't talked about also is not all pregnancy losses are experienced in the same way. There are some women that describe that experience as a trauma, depending on how the loss may have occurred and what they might have needed to complete that process, if you will. So some women will meet with me and say they feel like they've gone through a major trauma in terms of how the loss needed to be completed, if you will. I really am glad that you said something about the trauma uh, because sometimes it's not associated as that. And it really mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, with this traumatic experience, it also might affect the partner in ways that are unknown. Can you speak to that a little bit? That is a great question because I think this is one that doesn't oftentimes get talked about, but I cannot tell you the number of times that I've had partners come and meet with me individually, so not with their wife or not with their partner, and literally cry in my office or just sort of tell me, you know, it was devastating for them to watch their wife or watch their partner go through that, not only physically, but what they're going through now in terms of 
the grief process, if you will. And many partners tell me they want to do something, but what can they do? And they feel like they have no ability to help to make it better in any way, coupled with the fact that they're also grieving their own loss. So it's not a one person journey in many respects. And, you know, many partners will often tell me that they try not to express to to express their grief um, in front maybe of their partner because they don't want to burden her with needing to now and support them. But it's kind of it's kind of vice versa because when I meet with women independently, many of them will tell me that 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 is a major struggle, meaning that they want their partner to show more of an emotional response. And what they're getting instead is a feeling of indifference. So one example that I use with my male partner or with um, men is that I'll kind of say, it's kind of like if you and your friend or your wife were walking down the street and then you see this major car accident. If the one person gives a, a big response, like, oh my gosh, did, like, did you just see that? Like, that was a major car accident. If the other person is standing there like, huh, that's too bad. You're going to be looking at that person feeling like you have no response um, other than that's too bad. So they're wanting you to also show that you were impacted by what you saw. And so it's the same with this experience. If one person, if they are showing large um, emotion and, and sort of really letting their feelings be known, whereas the other person is doing less so, it can be seen as they didn't really experience that same kind of event that I did. It's not that you're coping with it, or, or, or it's, it's not the expectation that you're coping in the same way, but I think that many partners um, want to know that their partner is also impacted by the same experience that they both just witnessed, went through, experienced, if you will. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. And in this process of healing for the person who experienced the miscarriage and the partner, what are some steps that you encourage individuals to take? Well, one of the first steps um, is I think it's a good idea to give yourself time to grieve. I think there's oftentimes this expectation that, okay, you experience that loss, take a couple of weeks, and then we'll get back into treatment or get back into trying, if you will. Not everyone will experience that process in the same way. So if you need a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of days, well, whatever that might be, allow yourself the time to grieve in the way that's appropriate and that's meaningful and for you and that's necessary and for you also. The other thing that I think is really important, and this is something that I try to encourage patients that meet with me is I think it's a good idea to kind of step back and give thought to how you want to be better and supported kind of through this process. So what I mean by that is I think there's this assumption that if we experience loss or miscarriage or another type of trauma, if you will, that for most people, they want that additional support through friends or family or church community or whatever that might be. And that might work for a lot of people, but there are many people that 
don't find that necessarily useful in the beginning. So what I try to encourage patients or um, individuals um, to do is to kind of step back and, and give thought to how you want to be best and supported right now. Many patients tell me that when they've experienced a pregnancy loss and they tell their family and friends, they oftentimes start learning that um, other people, they may have also experienced loss. And while that's, that's useful in a supportive type of capacity, many people don't want to compare their experience to others. So it's not really as useful as it may come across as. So what I tell patients is, to really give thought to the way you best want to be and support it, and then to communicate that to other people in your life. Let people know this is the way you can best and support me right now in this moment. Those needs might differ later, but for right now, what I need you to do is to support me by, and then you add that, best and support me by just listening to me. If you see me calling, just pick up the phone and let me talk. Or maybe you can say, you know, you can better and support me by not really inquiring. Like, don't ask questions. Let me be the one to bring this up. That'll be a sign that um, I'm ready to talk. Maybe you can support me by what's doing other things that aren't even related to my loss or experience serve as a distraction. So really letting other people know how they can best and support you. If there's ever any time where you have that privilege and that right, this is the time to really articulate and express how others can best and support you in this moment because you are the only one that really knows what you need in that instance. Yeah, that's important. And I think that's really good advice for a friend or family member to ask the question. Mm -hmm. uh, if someone doesn't bring it up, who's experienced that loss, asking how can I best support you, uh, mm -hmm. not assume. I also, I'm curious, you've done a lot of counseling work with this. Mm -hmm. And so how important do you think counseling is to helping someone to heal who's experienced a miscarriage? It's very important. You know, one of the most common questions that patients will come in and their first question to me is, do other people feel this way? Do you talk to other women and this is their response or their experience? And so I think for a lot of people, they may not know what grief is or what it feels like or what it looks like or what it it's supposed to be or, or um, is. And so I think that they're kind of searching for what am I feeling? This is a new feeling for me, but I don't know how to manage or cope with this feeling. So one of the benefits with working with a therapist, and this is just my opinion, um, is unlike talking with your friends or family where they may be trying their best just to make you feel better. Oh, it's 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 um, going to get better. Oh, you know, rest or just eat or pray or, you know, da, 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 like do whatever. When you're talking with a, a, a therapist, it gives you that opportunity to truly process what you're feeling. It's not my goal to try and fix anything or to to express this is what you could be feeling or you want to be feeling or, or, or what you should be feeling. It's really just processing. What are you feeling? What do you need? 
what did this mean to you? Um, do you feel like your partner or other people might be able to better and support you? What type of support might you need? You know, and so just really processing at a deeper level kind of what this might mean and then maybe strategizing ways to cope with whatever those feelings, those emotions are. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And um, in your work, if someone is mm -hmm. uh, a believer, they're a Christian, mm -hmm. um, how have you seen that help them in the healing process as they move forward? When I meet with patients, one thing that I'll always talk about is what do you use typically to cope or to manage stress or to manage a loss, if you will. And so what I'll do is let patients kind of guide me kind of along their journey and what they use. And for those patients that tell me that their faith is very strong or that excuse me, that their faith is very important to them. Um, many, the, many patients tell me that their faith gives them a greater sense of peace, but it also really fosters a sense of hope, if you will. They firmly may feel like, uh, you know, they were meant to be a, a parent in whatever capacity that might be. And so they carry that forward, if you will. It also gives them stability in terms of it's a, uh, it serves as a known coping strategy, if you will. Like they may use prayer really as their um, rock to, to sort of give them some stability as they move forward, knowing that they can always use that uh, throughout their journey. Yeah, absolutely. I know faith yeah. for me has really helped me to get through times where I can see it other way, you know, <laughs> calling out to God, understanding that God knows. And I, I think about so many stories in the Bible when uh, there have been women who've experienced uh, loss and they've experienced mm -hmm. loss of a child and, and infertility. And, and yeah. back in the day uh, when you couldn't carry a baby, uh, you were shunned as something was wrong with you. And I think it's yeah. important. And, and in this work, I'm sure you tell women that you're, is, is nothing wrong with you. Um, there's, there's no mm -hmm. shame in uh, having this take place. And there's, there's again, many women who have carried the same burden, uh, but you don't even know, um, yeah. you know, and so um, you're not alone in this walk. And I think uh, what you do is so important to remind people that um, they're, they're not by themselves and they can yeah. help other people walk and support them in this healing process. You know, the other thing that's really nice too is, when I talk with women that discuss faith within their uh, journey of treatment, if you will, or loss even, what's really interesting too is many of them talk about if they can't become a parent through their own pregnancy, it's almost like their expansion and their view of what it means to be a, a family is a bit wider, or not family, but a parent. Mm -hmm. and so they're more apt to explore those other options like adoption or fostering to adopt or serving that parent role in different ways, which I fully appreciate because there's not one way necessarily to the same outcome. And so the more we can open our minds to what that means is a beautiful thing also. It's not something that I encourage nor push, but I find that when individuals talk really about their faith being important to them, that does come up typically in conversation that um, they can serve and be an influence to a future generation in multiple ways and in different capacities, which I think helps 
to cope with the loss that they might be feeling in one way by kind of expanding that view of this isn't the end here for me, that I can continue to, to, to try, but I can also look at what it means to be a nurturer and a parent in different um, roles also. That's really good. And I think that's important. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure as we're having this conversation, there are many people out there who can resonate <clears throat> with this, whether they recently had a miscarriage or they've been struggling mm-hmm. with infertility issues for years. What hope or, or words of encouragement would you offer them today? Um, you know, there's that old saying, do unto others kind of as you want done unto yourself. And apart would flip it and say, do unto yourself kind of as you would do unto others. And what I mean by that is so often we are more apt to show uh, empathy and compassion and kindness and care towards others, especially if they've experienced loss. But for some reason, we, um, we don't do that same act kind of with ourselves, if you will. So for anyone that may be struggling or that may experience a loss or know others that might have in the same way that we would show compassion to our friends or loved ones or family try to also show that same level of compassion and grace and kindness to yourself and really just um, allow yourself to process and grieve that loss in the way that feels most appropriate and for you. That's so good. I'm going to use that. <laughs> I, yeah. think that I think that we sometimes fail to realize that. And it's so much easier to focus on helping others so, and their yeah. process and neglect ourselves. And so yeah. I, I, I often tell people that you are worth the work yeah. uh, to yeah. spend time on your own healing and yeah. offer yourself grace to, to feel what you're feeling. And I think that something's wrong with you when you need time to grieve. You know, I think what you said earlier is important that sometimes people don't recognize the grief that they're experiencing and the emotions associated with it. So when they find themselves in a place where they're not sleeping at night or they're scatterbrained or whatever the case may be, they're like, I feel like I'm losing my mind. What's going on? Well, sister, brother, whoever's watching, you are grieving in this moment. Yeah, that is so important. If there's one thing that I wish more people did was learn ways to really identify what you're feeling and what that emotion are. Because we've got those uh, common ones, joy, rage, upset, you know, fear. But there's so many others. I'm feeling disappointed. I'm feeling discouraged. I'm feeling flustered. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling uncertain. Like learn to identify what you're really feeling And then we can start to process that feeling and start to deal with what you're feeling beyond just rage, anger, fear, joy. You know, there are more emotions and there's a range of sort of what you might be feeling that I think most people just can't really identify. Like they don't often know what they are really feeling and sort of peeling that layer, if you will, of there's a deep, feeling beyond just joy and being upset like that's two of a broader spectrum 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think in looking at it, sometimes we judge our emotions, Mm -hmm. you know, and say, oh, I shouldn't feel this way, especially if we've been raised in church, certain emotions, you just can't touch them. (laughs) And it's like, no, 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 it's not that. No. And so it takes some unlearning, if you will, around certain things to say, no, I'm sad. And this has nothing to do with faith. But I'm I'm hurting right now. And yeah. God, you know, God help me through this these emotions. Help me to see hope, even mm-hmm. though I am hurting right now, right? Mm-hmm. Because too, if you can really try to identify, then you respond and you think about it differently. So if you say, you know, you feel very upset because that person might have made that comment, versus if you say you feel disappointed that that person said that. The way you cognitively think, you're raged versus disappointed, that will then impact the way you respond and sort of interpret what that person did. If you interpret it as they made me upset and made me very angry, you might respond differently than if you interpret it as they disappointed me by saying that because I expected better of them. That's a different response than you interpreting it as they intentionally made me feel upset versus they disappointed me. So by correctly being able to identify what we're feeling, it can even at the unconscious level change the way we respond. And in the same way with dealing with grief and loss, you know, if you're feeling very nervous and and very uncertain and very fearful of sort of what to do next, that will then dictate how we respond and sort of address and process those feelings to allow you to more comfortably move forward Versus if you're feeling, you know, very upset and rageful and disappointed with the physicians and, you know, just a a host of different emotions, that will also dictate the way you process that grief and then move forward also. Yeah, that, that's a gem that you just shared with us. And I think um, what you said uh, initially around uh, being disappointed in someone's response, I just want to point out that sometimes the people in our, our lives, our family members, our, our dear friends, uh, people who we interact with at church, when you share certain things about your life, your story, your, your grief, maybe from infertility or a miscarriage, sometimes people, uh, they want to help, but they might say things that are hurtful. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with their well intentions. And so um, what you said, I feel like can maybe help us to identify the emotion and uh, be able to even heal from that experience. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that goes to kind of along with the other piece uh, that we talked about in the beginning of um, being able to recognize the kind of support you need. Um, and the reason that I keep stressing that, because I think that's important if you know that you, that this is very fresh, that this is very new, you just experienced that. And the last thing that you really want is to hear other people's story that might come across maybe as cold, but it's not. If something is very fresh, you don't necessarily want to know about other people's experiences because it feels very much like you are comparing your experience on and to mine. So by really kind of stepping back saying, is this something that I'm ready to talk with others about? And it might not be. It's the first week. It's the first couple of weeks. It's still very fresh. 
know that and then know maybe this isn't the time that I start telling other people because I don't want to get whatever that response is. Maybe in a few weeks, you will be better able to let people know and then take on their story also because you're in a different space. It doesn't mean that a week prior that you weren't as empathetic or, or maybe as understanding, but you were in a different space. So I think recognizing where you are and recognizing the support that you can take on in that moment might change and might differ. And that's also true with who you talk to. You might have friends that are very understanding. They are very patient uh, with their ability to listen and just to process with you. Whereas others, they are fixers. Girl, let's like get you some soup crackers and let's just cry it out for a week. You know, you might go to different people at different time points, the better you're able to recognize what type of support you need in that moment. And that might dictate who you're telling what to. That's really helpful. I, as you were talking, I was also thinking about an interview that I had a while back where they were talking about even like, uh, for example, if you're going to church and people mm -hmm. at church knew you were expecting and then you have a miscarriage and, you know, you might want to, when your first time returning to church, to sit in the back, to sit in the balcony, to mm -hmm. come a little bit later and leave a little early so you don't have to interact with people or get the questions. Uh, because sometimes people... They just don't know. And so they might ask the question, mm -hmm. you know, uh, when are you due? Or, you know, we're so excited. <clears throat> and that could be difficult for someone who's just experiencing yeah. that loss. So I think that advice applies, right? Yeah. So this might sound cold and it's not my intention whatsoever. But when I'm in therapy, what I try to do is give people real advice, tangible things that they can actually use. And so what I oftentimes will tell patients is, it's not wrong to tell people how to communicate with you. And so what I mean is if you've just experienced loss or whatever trauma that might be, if you still want to go out with your friends or go to church, but you don't necessarily want to field all of the questions or sort of the comments, it is absolutely fine to let people know Thank you, Jocelyn, for your condolences or thank you for approaching me and sort of asking. It shows me that you really care and that you love me. It's still very new and sensitive, so I'm not really ready to talk fully kind of about it. But I just ask that you respect that. And when I am ready, then I will definitely let you know or let people know kind of, you know, you appreciate that they're concerned or they're curious or they're excited for you. But it's a very personal journey also, one that you're not wanting to share too many details with or talk about. That's okay. It's truthful. It's very honest. It's not being rude. It's not trying um, to hide or sort of disappear. You're letting people know that I appreciate that you care, but I'm not in a space to want to talk fully about it. I think that's a perfectly fine response. It's a necessary response. Yeah. <laughs> You are healing. We have to set boundaries. Yeah. And, and not, you know, we don't owe everyone an explanation, yes. a, a, you know, a blow by blow of what's going on in terms of our healing. And so yes. I was I was talking to someone uh, the other day about that, saying that you've experienced some trauma. So you but you don't have to explain 
everything to everyone in all the details. Mm -hmm. You can even mm -hmm. say, hey, I'm going through a difficult time right now. Um, and so, uh, you know, if I'm a little sad or, you know, a little off to myself, I just need a little space. You can pray for me, but you don't have to go into yeah. all the details, right? Exactly. So you dictate what it keeps on, you know, you dictate the kind of support that you want and it's okay to let people know the best way that they can support you, but not asking questions right now, or sort of, you know, not, not uh, being that curious the way that I typically like to couch that it's saying, you know, thank you for your question or thank you for asking or for being concerned, but I'm not really talking about it right now because you're really letting that person know that you appreciate them if you do really appreciate them like wanting to ask or just if they're curious but yeah you are also setting boundaries if this is something that i'm not ready to talk about or don't want to and don't plan on really giving a lot of details to a very personal intimate um, experience yeah yeah and when you talked about being curious i i want to say mm -hmm. something to someone who I might know someone who's experienced trauma or the topic that we're talking about today as it relates to a miscarriage, that you have to ask yourself before engaging that person who experienced that loss, why am I asking the question? Because if you're asking <laughs> just to be curious or some folks will say str straight up nosy, yeah. um, it's not the time. Yeah. <laughs> nosy. Like, I mean, you are someone who is just accompanying and being next to someone to support them. So you have yeah. to ask if it's a question uh, simply to give them space to be able to share if they like to. Great. But we have mm -hmm. to give that person agency to to be able to decide what, what they need yeah. and what they're willing to share in that moment and not pressure them. And also if they yeah. do share, making sure that we keep whatever said confidential, right? Because yeah. we don't need this to get out to the whole church that such and such needs prayer because they lost whatever. No, that conversation was between yeah. you and them. If you ask me, I think the best question that people can ask if they know anyone that's going through a, a difficult time is tell me the best way that I can support you. It's not even asking them anything beyond just tell me what I can do or what I can say or what you need from me. Let them guide and let them tell you what they need from you. And I think if you want to ask or show your support in any way, do that. Just use that very basic question. And please tell me how I can best and support you right now. That's it. That's a that's a good question. And if you are someone who is a person of prayer, uh, you might want to offer prayer or you could just pray mm -hmm. for them in your prayer closet. You know, yeah. people need that. And so as they're they're going through this journey, knowing that they have people who will be willing to sit with them, even just be yeah. around them if they need it. But whatever they say, I think that's the point that you made, Dr. Edwards, that's mm -hmm. so key, is what they need, not what you think they need that we should yeah. do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So tell us if there's any resources that you would recommend to someone who's experienced this type of loss, uh, what are some resources that you're aware of? You know, there are a couple different uh, books and, and websites that I can't name off the top of my head, but what I can do is um, get you the information. Maybe you can post it kind of on your website or post it with this video. Um, because there's really not one resource in particular that might work for everyone, but I do think there are some very good books and, and sort of resources that are out there that might be appropriate. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we'll do. We'll uh, make sure that we have that available in the show notes, any resources yeah. that are available. And obviously one is our company. Uh, we have Christian yes. counselors who are available to support you, to walk with you in this. And we also have trauma healing groups that are available where we help you to deal with all different types of losses that you might've experienced, including mm -hmm. this painful journey. And so I, appreciate you, Dr. Edwards, for just Thank sharing you. your time and, and just having this rich conversation. I know it blessed those who listen today. I, I really hope and pray that it did. Um, if there's any other information, they can find me at Fertility Centers of Illinois. And I should also say, too, that we do have a loss um, group that's available, even if they aren't patients for us. So if they've experienced loss and want to be part of a group of um, couples or like individuals that may have also experienced loss. It's absolutely free and it's open to anyone. So I did want to just mention that it's a support group. That's wonderful. I hope yeah. you take advantage of that. And thank you again uh, for your time. We'll make sure to make uh, these resources available to those who are listening. And I uh, just wish you blessings as you move forward. Thank on your you, you too. Thank yes. you so much. Absolutely. And thank you all for tuning into today's broadcast. I, I know this topic hits home for so many. And so if you know of someone who's experienced this type of loss, I encourage you to share this information with them today. Uh, also, please know that you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. And so whatever method you enjoy, uh, please uh, subscribe or like us or leave a review. Just help us to get the word out so that we can build momentum to help people to experience healing on their journey of life. Life. Uh, so that's it for this week. We hope that you enjoyed today's broadcast and we hope to see you next week. But until then, family, you keep your faith on the journey. I'll see you soon. <laughs>